Greetings, and welcome to the Saved by Nostalgia podcast. I love the power glove. It's so bad. I feel the need. The need for speed. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. Dead or alive, you are coming with me. Look what you did, you little jerk. Look. I'm coming to get you. Get busy living. You get busy dying. You are next. And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. We are really revving up here on the Save by Nostalgia podcast, and our analysis of Save by the Bell continues with The Substitute. Yes, that's season one, episode seven. You thought that inappropriate student-teacher relationships started with Mary Kay Letourneau. Wrong. It all started right here on season one of Save by the Bell as a substitute comes in for an ailing Miss Simpson, and the girls all fall in love with him. Noah, welcome in, buddy. We are continuing this. We are just diving headfirst into Save by the Bell. And, of course, helping us to break down this pivotal episode of Saved by the Bell will be Hank Stratton. Yes, he plays the substitute Tony Crane, so it's going to be great to get his perspective on this episode and kind of his experience working on the show. And I hope you guys like what we're doing. Noah, we've been at this for a while now. We're going to do every episode, all 86. I think we got like 80 more to go, so. Hey, not bad. Absolutely. Uh, We get to see Miss Simpson again uh, doing her little Shakespeare, Romeo, and Juliet uh, she has selective hearing in this episode. Sometimes she hears things, sometimes she doesn't. So, uh, But she hurts her back, uh, saying it's an old hockey injury. They use a skateboard to kind of push her to the nurse. And if I'm not mistaken, which I, I could be here, uh, for me, I feel like it might be the first time or one of the few first times that we hear Mr. Belding say, hey, 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 what is going on here? As he comes strolling down the hallway as they he sees them uh, pushing Miss Simpson on the skateboard. and uh, But he's quickly called away. He... He tells Miss Simpson uh, to take to drop some uh, files off at his office, which he's two <laughs> feet away from, which doesn't quite make sense to me. Uh, but he's called away um, over the intercom to come to the gymnasium. Uh, Tiny Hardwick is stuck in the net again. Uh, and he <laughs> says that he, he he's told them time and time again to stop using him as a volleyball, but he's, he's whisked away, so he's got to go help Tiny Hardwick get out of that net. I always love those little moments where Mr. Belding's called away by some <laughs> announcement. I, th- I believe one time someone po- poisons the Ovaltine of the chess team or something, and that's coming up. I love it. And um, this episode starts off really good because, for one, I am a Miss Simpson mark. I love her, except for I can never keep straight, and we've already done an episode featuring her. It seems like they do this Romeo and Juliet scene every time she's on screen. Yeah, that's it's all like she this, does. She's the Romeo and Juliet teacher. Yeah, it's like I think later on when Zach and Kelly break up the aftermath, I think they're doing the same thing. And so it really confuses me. But what I did take note of here is that this is uh, where Zach, uh, you know, takes us up, seizes this opportunity to really play to Kelly and, and make her like, you know, he, he's, he's really doing a good job uh, doing the accent and doing this poem, reciting the poem. And he's just he's wooing uh, he's her, wooing Kelly in the process. And it's working. He's found something that works. Like we always try to find something that works for us. Like hopefully it's this podcast, but Zach found something that worked and it's reciting Shakespeare. He's playing the part of Romeo as uh, Juliet sits on her balcony awaiting her love. And Zach is uh, taking advantage of that, of course, as, as would anyone. Well, let's go ahead and get to our interview 
with Mr. Hank Stratton. He played Tony Crane, the substitute on this episode. This is a great time to start this interview. We were able to talk to him about some of his experiences and working on this show. He's a great guy. Hank Stratton, welcome to the show, man. Just such a pleasure. I'm telling you, uh, we can't thank you enough for doing this and uh, being, a, being a good sport and coming on to talk with us today, man. How's everything been going? What's been up with you lately, my friend? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure. Um, you know, say by the bell, <laughs> just follow me. I, who knew, who <laughs> knew it was going to end up being what it is. Things are good. Things are really good. I'm in Los Angeles for a couple of days. I'm working on a, on a short pilot and I'm shooting a commercial. I'm a college professor as well. These days I work at the university of Arizona in, um, in the capacity of the head of the acting department and the artistic director of the Arizona repertory theater there at the university. So it's really fun. That is awesome. Well, you went from high school sub to college professor. Right. That's right. I'm an actual, I'm an actual professor. And, you know, depending on the, depending on the class, you know, a couple of years ago, one of my freshmen, like one of the second days I teach in the BFA department, you know, so they're all, you know, very sassy. And one of them just started playing the theme song to say by the bell, and, <laughs> you know, like we're just randomly in the middle of class. And it was very funny. Anyway. First off, you know, you said who knew, which is kind of funny. That's kind of one of my questions is that, you know, you do this show for NBC, a one-off episode um, 30 years ago, uh, almost to the day. 30 years ago oh on my NBC. God. Isn't that crazy? And who would have, I mean, 30 years later, we're talking about this and analyzing every single episode. That's what we're doing. And here you are as a big part of that. Crazy, isn't it? That is so crazy. And, you know, it was, I was just out of drama school. I, I went to, I, you know, I studied classically in England and I bounced back and forth from New York. And my agent sent me in for this show that, you know, it was a, I think it was, I can't remember if it was still in primetime or it had just moved to Saturday mornings or, you know, and, and I, I just read it and it was funny because it was shaky, you know, it was like an English teacher teaching Shakespeare. And I had literally just graduated from a classical training program for four years. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, Romeo, I just played Romeo in drama school. So I got this, I got this, you know, and then I went in and I really did get it. I mean, they, they called me that day and they were like, you were awesome. And I was barely, I mean, I was barely older than the kids. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? The, ki the kids that are now uh, unbelievably famous and smart and actualized and still gracious. And I, I saw Mario Lopez at the, at the Grove uh, a couple of years ago. I was with my daughter who finds it so um, compellingly baffling that people pay attention to her dad at all, first of all. And secondly, <laughs> that... Saved by the Bell is still such a lightning rod for me. And he he ran all the way across the like the, the mall, you know, whatever that is, the open area, and gave him this big hug. And he goes, so good to see you. You look great. And I was like, I mean, he's still the same affable, nice, gracious human being that he was when he was 15. I mean, he was so elegant then, and so was Mark. And girls were just so beautiful and 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 kind and grateful they were just all grateful for what was happening to them and and i ran into um gosh i can't remember the, the name of the guy that the that directed the episode but he said that for a long time that peter the producer would show that episode of the substitute to new directors and say this is the tone 
this is this is pitch perfect. This is pitch perfect, said by the bell. And I was like, wow. <laughs> wow, I'm so honored to be a part of it. And then, and then it's like a BuzzFeed, like the most famous guest spots of all time on Saved by the Bell, you know, were, and I made that list. And I was like, that is oh, so absolutely. crazy that <laughs> the people love that. People love it. They, they love it. I don't know. I don't, I, okay. I'm grateful for it. Listen. It's a, well, you it's talked a, a little bit about it there. What, I kind of want to ask you some of your memories of working with the cast and crew, whether it was the kids, Bess Meyer, uh, who was on the episode with you, Dennis Haskins or Peter Engel. Uh, they were all great. I mean, Dennis was, you know, he was the, he was Mr. Belding, right? Yes. And he, you know, he was, he obviously had a different sort of role, especially at that time, just in terms of, of cast and I have since worked with, you know, I've been in cast where, you know, I've been a little bit the, the older one, but I mean, I, I was the closest to an adult that he was going to get that week. And, um, you know, obviously <laughs> best coming in and being the other, the other guest star, we were, you know, we were sort of the grown ups. but I'm telling you that, you know, one of I was thinking I was 21 years old or something. I was just really young and, you know, looking back on it, they were 15, 16 years old. So, but the the age difference is exponential when you're that age, and you know mm-hmm. a, a peer of mine could be, you know, five or five or ten years older or younger than me now. So it's that that gap closes like a bear trap. It does. Absolutely. <laughs> but then back then it was just you know I remember how um, how he was uh, he was re- just a memory. I don't think I'm imposing on it, but I th- I think that he was very happy to have you know somebody that was you know, classified as an adult, although I was barely, you know, I was barely able to drink at that point. It was <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the guest, the other guest star, best, she was, she was lovely and great. And, and we were just sort of making it up. I mean, she was so eccentric in that, in that part. And, you know, obviously, you know, it worked really well. Um, and I, I, you know, we—it's not like we stayed in contact, but we would run into each other and talk about the phenomenon. And in the same in the same time period, uh, I, I, you know, I sort of went from like teen show to teen show. I did Melrose Place and Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero, and it was sort of, you know, at, at those times, those those shows were so popular and have become so iconic. I'm really grateful to have been a part of all of them, but. Um, yeah, say by the bell is the say by the bell. I have to say is the one where uh, people on airplanes wag their finger at me and they go, <laughs> "Were you the substitute teacher on Say by the Bell with the tooth sparkle?" Because that tooth sparkle, was, <laughs> I think, actually what made my career. I think that's actually what did it. <laughs> well, and how you never did a commercial for Colgate or something after that is beyond me. I mean, that's <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I was the. Um, I was the four. I was the four guy for a couple of years. I had a huge Ford campaign and and another campaign for a pharmaceutical. But I'll tell you that all the ad executives remember "Say by the Bell." They remember that episode, and I was teased in in the in the best way, in the most lighthearted, complimentary way. I was always teased about that about that superhero tooth sparkle. Well, it's, it's they came up with on the spot. They were like, "Wouldn't it be funny if?" And then they had me set that shot up so that they could do it, and they did it live, so the audience actually saw it. Oh wow! Well, um, so that was cool. Yeah. So you're, you're a substitute teacher, of course, Tony Crane, and you come in. Uh, you're subbing for Miss Simpson, who is, has injured her back, and you come in and you're quoting Shakespeare. The girls, you talk about the, you know how how beautiful they were. Of course, we all had crushes. 
on Elizabeth Berkeley, Tiffany Thiessen, they and Lark Voorhees, they all wind up having a crush on you. And this is like, you talked about the age difference, uh, even 21 to 16, but this is sort of pre-Mary Kay Letourneau and inappropriate teacher <laughs> relationships. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh. well, but I, but I think that what they did really well, um, I'm sorry if I interrupted you, but I think what they did really well was that they rode that line between, I never flirted back. Right. I mean, the, the quote-unquote adult in the room never crossed the line, never, mm -hmm. uh, his boundaries were never inappropriate. They just had normal sort of transference crushes on their teacher do you know what i mean like that and that still happens do you know what i mean that that goes on in my own family where my daughter will talk about you know a professor that she admires you know but but um and maybe she fantasizes about putting on a white a white dress and, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I mean i think i kind of remember the episode well enough because i'm keep i keep getting reminded of it but they, they, they just the tone of it was so um, it was comic. There was an archness to it that they never it never was inappropriate. And it was really just that those feelings that those girls had for this for this mature gentleman or, you know, this mature boy was really just a foil for, for the boys and their affection for the girls. Do you know what I mean? So it was. Yeah. And he, you know, and then he went in and he invented a girlfriend and had her come in to sort of like squash it all for the girls in its really respectful way and, you know, just sort of made friends with everybody. I think they got it really right for kids. You know, this was being consumed by anyone from six to 60, as we find out, because Saturday mornings, you know, people were waking up on Saturday morning and glued to it, you know. So I, I think they got that tone. I think they got that tone right. Yeah, well, in the episode, uh, the kind of the girls rush to Tony at his table. I believe it's Elizabeth Berkeley who ends up uh, knocking over a salt shaker. It falls on the ground. You hear the glass break and shatter. You can even see Tiffany kind of break character, and she's laughing. Uh, do you remember that at yeah. all? Can you talk about uh, getting through a scene and staying I, in character as an actor when things don't go as planned? Well, I not only remember that, but I ran into Elizabeth. Um, and I would see, I would see these, these kids, you know, cause they filmed at NBC, which was pretty close to where I lived. I, ha I had a house in Toluca Lake at the time. And, uh, there was a restaurant called Dalt's that I ran into the cast at about two, about two years later, I ran into the entire cast. They were like having a between taping meal or something like that. And they rushed over to my table and, you know, Elizabeth said that she promised not to knock anything over and reminded <laughs> me of actually doing that. And it was so charming. There was, it was actually so unexpected and so charming that they just kept it in there. They actually shot it again without mm -hmm. that happening, but the, but the accident um, lent, it, lent some authenticity to the moment, the sort of the discovery of the character feeling awkward in front of this teacher that she had this crush on and trying to look perfect. And, and I thought that Elizabeth did it beautifully. I also ran into her family um, in Santa Monica about a year later and they sat in the booth behind me. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe that these kids that were now huge television stars would even remember that episode, but it was really um, water. They, they, they all said that it was like this watershed moment where they felt like the show had sort of like found its sea legs and, I was really flattered to have been a part of it. But in terms of staying in character, I mean, I, I, did, a, I did a movie with Chris Guest not long after, you know, I 
landed in Los Angeles. And I mean, he deliberately was trying to make us laugh. It was this terrible, you know, sort of spoof <laughs> that he did right before, right before he became like Christopher Guest of Waiting for Guffman, but it was called The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. And mm-hmm. he, you know, Daryl Hannah was at a, on, behind a green screen and I was playing this chopper guy that was trying to kill this 50-foot Daryl Hannah, you know, just tame her whatever. and he was just throwing all kinds of things at us just to make us break. So I ended up laughing so hard. I was crying and, and he kept the take in the scene. It's, you know, you do your best as an actor and sometimes things go wrong and it's harder on stage, obviously, you know, and, yeah. and a little more fun because there are paying customers out right in front of you that you're, <laughs> you're having to hold it together in front of but uh, we talk about that because i'm an acting teacher and i promise not to fall down the down the rabbit hole but stanislavski the great master of realism yes. of modern realism he um he talked about that as being adaptation and what was some of the things that i i try to teach to my students is the things don't go as expected but if you're really talking and listening and you're in the moment like elizabeth was during that take you adapt and the salt shaker gets spilled and you end up looking clumsy in front of the substitute teacher and you try to cover for that. And it actually gave birth to a really great moment. We just can't thank you enough for going down memory lane and letting us know what you're up to now. Best of luck with, uh, with the gig going forward in Arizona. Uh, go Wildcats, of course. And, you know, we'll definitely stay in yeah, touch. Yeah, bear down. <laughs> right on. Okay. As, as Thanks, long as guys. I really we'll appreciate hey, your time. Thanks so much, Hank. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe it worked. Uh, of course, just the craziest weird things. Zach keeps playing Romeo out in public. He's at the max, dressed up. It's kind of uncomfortable. But Kelly ends up choosing to rehearse lines over going to the beach with Slater. And uh, they walk away, and Zach says, Parting is such sweet sorrow. Chump to Slater as he walks away as Kelly chose. that. Rehearsing lines over the beach. Uh, then Tony Crane enters, uh, the new substitute uh, for Miss Simpson. Uh, and you can immediately tell that all the girls are smitten. Tony dresses the part, which I thought was weird. Again, another person dressing the part. He's got a puffy shirt on and a sash across his waist. And he puts uh, a hat on uh, Kelly as she's going to uh, play Juliet in a scene with him. And uh, Screech says, I didn't know she was Juliet was a conehead. And that kind of reminds me, he had kind of sees into the future there. Coneheads movie starring Dan Aykroyd, 1993. This is 1989. Screech is seeing into the future. Well, this is great because you got Hank Stratton as Tony Crane, very good-looking guy. You, of course, know him from shows like MacGyver, uh, ER, NYPD Blues, even Desperate Housewives. Uh, so Hank Stratton's been around, and he did this episode. This is really uh, the first time you start seeing um, kind of that inappropriate, you know, lust from a student to a teacher. And in this case, it's a, a group of the group of females to Tony Crane. So. A little ahead of its time, this is something I believe, honestly, would be kind of taboo today. They would not be able to tackle this, I don't believe, in any sort of comedic sense as they did in this episode, which, by the way, aired on September 30th, uh, 1989, for those keeping track at home. Um, so, yeah, you have this, this... So, Zach gets cast aside, of course, you know, now that Tony Crane's entered, and it is kind of funny him showing up in the costume. I thought that was a hilarious touch. Uh, he must be really passionate, a really passionate sub. I've done substitute teaching, Noah, and I can tell you I would never have shown up dressed uh, as someone from this time period. So <laughs> props to Tony Crane for that. The women are in. They are swooning. Oh, absolutely. And uh, they're at the max. Jesse acts all uh, high and mighty and mature, calling Slater a boy who can't understand a man. And luckily, 
to Slater's rescue, to Zach's rescue, Screech's rescue, Max comes over and says, well, that is true, Jesse. Uh, you're very sophisticated. Now here's your root beer float with a gummy bear swirl, kind of putting her back in her place. I love that moment. Telling her, yeah. like, I don't know why you're acting all, all high and mighty and calling these people boys. You're no more sophisticated than they are. I feel like Ed Alonzo is really a glue here in this first season of Saved by the Bell. As we've seen him pop in and out, you know, you know, really watching for things like this uh, going back. It's like he really pops in at opportune moments and kind of is the glue that holds the group together as he's always kind of helps move the storyline along with his own kind of unique ways. As And I, I just am a big fan of Ed Alonzo. Thinks he does a great job there. And uh, not only that, but um, you got a, a funny scene where the girls all fight to get a seat next to Tony Crane as he sits down at the max. Now, there's a, there's a goof here that's actually in the trivia section of IMDb that basically what happens, you'll see, is Jesse uh, tries to procure, procure a seat at the last second. They're all crowding up to Tony Crane, and Jesse grabs a chair away from someone else, and she tries to scoot up next to Tony Crane, and she breaks a glass. A glass flies off the table and actually shatters right there on the, on the ground. Well, and I was wondering because Kelly kind of breaks character. She yes. And she's cracking up there. And I was yeah. wondering if it was just the whole scene. I didn't know the part about the glass. You're kind of breaking news to me here. So. Yeah, yeah. She break. You can hear the glass break. And then they all kind of look down toward at it. And and uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen sort of fights back laughter there. Kind of yeah. a funny tidbit of a moment there. Um, but yeah, I really like that scene. And uh, this the, the, the girl, the guys join forces at this point because now I like, this is why I like this episode. Noah, you know me and the Zach and Slater relationship. So now they're joining forces <laughs> to get rid of Tony Crane and to get him out of their lives. So they do not lose their fair maidens. Absolutely. They hire an actress, uh, the third pepperoni on the dancing pizza commercial. I'm sure you've all seen it. I know I have, I love it. And, uh, she is hired to try and play Tony Crane's fiance, uh, to try and get the girls back to them. Um, what kind of threw me off and I'm kind of just stumbling here to try to figure this out. Tony Crane is wearing loafers with white socks in this episode. And that kind of took my focus off what was happening in the episode. And I just couldn't believe that that was happening. Even in 1989, I just don't know if that's appropriate. Is it's, it? a product, it's a product of Miami Vice and Don Johnson. <laughs> I, I think that there's no other explanation. And I think that, you know, may, although I guess that was more the loafers without socks. Yeah, with, no, no socks. The white so. socks, the... <laughs> There's no socks and there's dress socks. The white socks is an interesting choice, and I, we need to get him on the show to ask him about that because uh, if that's something that he partakes in, I might have to look at him in a different light. Well, you know, we talked about how this is sort of a play, you know, very inappropriate and something that has become so commonplace today that it seems uh, it, it's easy to make fun of it or, you know, have a, be presented comedically back in 1989. Today, not so much. And Noah, talk about this because I believe that this is really. Um, sort of a glimpse into Kelly's need to date older, unavailable men. It all started right <laughs> here, and it's a pattern that exists throughout the show. Yeah, you go on and you see it, uh, obviously, with Jeff uh, from uh, UCLA. She ends up dating, leaving Zach and dating him, and she finds out that the, that isn't going to quite work out uh, as she planned. And uh, she moves on to the college years with Jeremiah Lasky, and uh, obviously that goes awry as well, and she just will not learn that lesson. She won't do it. I believe there's also, um, in the Hawaiian-style special, a lawyer that's yes. clearly much older that she, she goes for, which may or may not be Travis from Son-in-Law. I'll have to look into that. I can't wait to review that episode. But I, I believe that's the actor that played Travis in the movie Son-in-Law. And yes, who she also is dating in that film as well, oddly. So 
yeah, Kelly, it really starts here. But all the girls are into him. I believe there's even a dream sequence. Oh, God. Involved. Yeah, I'll let you handle this. I oh, I, I was hoping sequences. you would. No, I, I passed it off. One of my worst dream sequences, I think, in this entire show, where you've got the girls all planning their, their wedding, and they're all looking at each other in their dresses, and they're all going to marry Tony Crane, and they're trying to figure out how this is going to work. And uh, I just I think it's a mess, and probably my least favorite part of the show, really. Yeah, the dream sequences are rough. There's a few good ones in there, but... Most most times when you see that uh, pink uh, border come around, you're like, uh oh, what am I in store for here? Probably not something good. The odds say I'm in I'm in store for one here. But um, getting back to this episode, I mean, uh, the guys come around Tony. They finally tell him what's up. Okay, look, here's what's going on. The girls are infatuated with you. We tried this plan. She went after Mister Belding instead of you. It didn't quite work. And Tony says, "Look, guys, I'm sorry that this happened. But what do you expect me to do? Give up teaching?" And Zach said, would you? He goes, no. <laughs> and I find that odd. Like, you're a substitute teacher. I understand that you're not going to give up just doing what you're doing for these kids. But he, he answered it like he's been teaching for a long time. He finally got the position of his dreams or as a CEO or a lawyer or something. Just, no. <laughs> like, I would never give this up. <laughs> like, just maybe go to a different school. L.A. is a huge city. There's so exactly, many different yeah. I Just another school. Maybe a Hollywood <laughs> High or Beverly Hills High. Of course, that might have crossed paths with some of the, the 90210 gang. But, um, I, you know, yeah, I think that's funny. And it's like more unnecessary scheming takes place as uh, Tony pretends to be engaged to that woman you mentioned earlier, the actress. Yeah, ends up going along to, with the plan. Right. They try to throw them off this. They try to throw the girls off, off the scent. And uh, Slater and Zach, their truce is over. And then things are all back to normal as... The girls now lose interest in Tony Crane after meeting his fiance. So a lot of scheming. This is just what the show is at this point. Love it or hate it. It's all about these schemes. And Zach is always at the forefront. This time it's cool to see Zach and Slater joining forces as we look at the episode as a whole, good or bad. I'm going to say good. You know, I'm not trying to be black and white about it because there's an area of gray. This isn't yeah. the best episode by any means, but I liked it. I liked uh, Tony Crane. I think he was a cool character in this. And seeing the girls kind of lose interest in the guys and uh, the guys joining forces. I'm a fan of it. And um, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with thumbs up for this one. I am as well. I think you have to, uh, in rating it against, uh, we talked about this in the last one episodes like the Lisa card, uh, rating it against that. You can't say just bad. And I don't know if this is really, you can say good. Like you said, there's that gray area, but I think it leans more towards the good side. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in this. Uh, Tony crane does a great job. He's a good actor in this. Um, and then you just have different lines uh, throughout there. Screech with the Coneheads. Uh, Zach and Slater teaming up, kind of the first time you get to see them kind of working together, is something that just cannot be overlooked here. You can't say, oh, this was a bad episode. Like, that's something that's big, and uh, you see it come to, to fruition more and more as the series goes on. But it's great to see it here, and I think they're getting a little taste of them teaming up, and that might have pushed them later on to kind of uh, forego this, them fighting over Kelly the whole time and kind of make them all of the friends get along together and be a team instead of uh, Zach and Slater at odds. Not only that, but um, on, on set, Mark Paul Gosler and Mario Lopez have become like best friends at this point in, in real life. And that exists today. You see Instagram pictures with the two of them in it. I think they just ran into each other yeah, uh, in Orlando somewhere and they had to took a selfie together and stuff like that. 
I, I know that's just such a fan person thing to get excited about. But when I see that, it just warms my heart because you think about mm-hmm. all the stuff these cast members went through and they, they don't all get along. Uh, Dustin Diamond, cough, cough. And <laughs> but yet these two do. And it's like their friendship spanned from their freshman year of high school to their early 40s. I love it. Yeah, you don't see much of them with uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen or uh, Elizabeth Berkeley or Lark Voorhees. Uh, obviously not Dustin Diamond. He is uh, way out of the picture. Um, uh, Dennis Haskins still kind of keeps in touch with uh, all the guys and uh, girls from uh, from the show. But uh, it's really good to see Mark Paul and Mario, such good friends, uh, running into each other and not running the other way. Like, no memories from Saved by the Bell. It was horrible. Like they still get along and they still talk about say by the bell they seem to be the only two that are kind of okay with it and talk about it and welcome it and accept it so uh, it's good to see those two together like you said it warms the heart it brings back memories and it's good to see uh, two people from the show that get along and uh, don't run away from anything that has to do with say by the bell well, we're going to have executive producer from the show peter engel joining us on some episodes down the road you've heard his voice already we've had him on a couple episodes already we're gonna, he's going to be joining us on our next episode, which is Cream for a Day. We're going to be looking at Kelly and the face that turned maroon and how it all went down. That's on the next episode. But right now we're putting a bow on The Substitute and thumbs up from us on this one. If you like what we're doing, our website, savebynostalgia.weebly.com. Noah, you should already be subscribed to the podcast because it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play Music. You should already already be in there. I'm on one of them, I know. I I need to get the other two. Uh, I'm working on it. It's a slow process here, as I'm sure it is for the rest of you. But you definitely have to do it. So many great things there. Um, As we've said, we're going episode by episode through Saved by the Bell. We're going to start going through movies. We're going to have other TV shows. Uh, We're going to have many more great guests on. We've already had Peter Engel. You've heard him several times. Uh, We're going to have Troy Froman down the line who played Ox and Scud. Ryan Hollihan. Uh, several different people from other shows. It's going to be great. Movies, we've got it all. Follow us at Saved by Nostalgia. Look for it on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give us a like. Give us some interaction. Tell us what you want us to cover, whether it's a movie. Interact on our posts, whether it's something that, hey, this debuted on this date. TV show battles, whatever it is, whatever we post. We love the interaction. We love the feedback. Thank you, as always.